Welcome back, everyone. As I'm sure you've noticed, we've been experimenting with the podcast. We've been trying out new ways of getting our content into your ears. We're so grateful to each and every one of you that's given us feedback by leaving a review on iTunes about our podcast or by emailing us at info at citysitesmanagement.com. Let us know what you love about the show or what you wish we'd change. Just drop us a note. Now, on to this month's episode. In this episode, we're joined by John England with Parity. Parity is a company that helps condos save money on their utility costs. Ari, how can we save money on utility costs at our own condo, you ask? That's for us to question and for John to explain. Today, we'll talk about how condos heat and cool a building's ventilation system and water supply and how you can save money for a property by operating that equipment much more efficiently. What does that mean for a condo owner like you? Greater control over your cost of living, a.k.a. maintenance fees. Can John help your condo take the control back from the energy companies and put it in the hands of your condo board? Let's find out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hi, how are you? We're back again for another exciting episode of Hashtag We Speak Condo. Uh, Our guest today is uh, John England. Uh, creativity runs rampant in your family in terms of last names. I see that. Um, and he is the vice president of sales. Now, I looked at this ini- initially when this was first proposed to me. I said, this is going to be a great episode because I, I looked at it and it goes, his, his company's name is Party Go. And I'm going, wow, <laughs> Nick, you finally got us a good one. Uh, but actually, it's Parity Go, uh, uh, P-A-R-I-T-Y-G-O.com, right? Welcome to Hashtag We Speak Condo. Uh, I'd like to open our session talking a little bit about, uh, uh, give, give me the elevator speech. What's your company? What's it all about? Sure. Um, th- thanks, Ari. Thanks, Nicholas, for having me on. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we're not party go. I can't help you there. Uh, we focus on energy. And, and really what we do is we've simplified the way that condominiums can reduce their energy consumption. So we offer uh, a no upfront cost guaranteed solution that's turnkey, specifically designed for condos. Damn, that was rehearsed, eh? Did you? That was really good. It's like he's a vice president it's of sales like, or something. I don't know. Crazy, crazy, man. So uh, in his in, in his part time, he sells life insurance. Yes. Um, <laughs> so really, it's it's ultimately all the things you do. In a nutshell, you save condos money. Absolutely. That's the bottom line, isn't it? So let's explore quickly what different areas you're looking at, there, where those savings are generated from. Uh, generated is a pun. I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little left over from our previous yeah, episode. Yeah. yeah, I think we have puns in every episode. I think we do. Yeah. There, there's no shortage of energy puns that can be made, for sure. Well, go ahead. It's a, probably a very shocking uh, subject, <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can do to reduce energy. And the most common ones would be you know, your LEDs. Uh, maybe you want to look at exhaust fans in your garage. And, and those are all great. We would call those low-hanging fruit. That's what everybody does, isn't it? Right, right. Everybody, there's a like, thousand vendors out there that are going to focus on those areas. And then I'm going to ask you the, the million-dollar question, but keep going. Uh, where we're focusing on is a little bit more complicated, but not too unreasonably complicated. It's the mechanical system. So it's everything in the building that's required to generate comfort for the residents who live there. So heating, cooling, fresh air, domestic water, and all the systems that support that level of comfort. 
Wow, you should see he's shaking his head like a like, like a, a bobblehead on at Blue Jays on game day. So uh, <laughs> why would why on earth would they be reticent at uh, to to save money? What what do you think psychologically is is, is stopping them? Well, I guess just o- overall, um, there's a lot of noise in the market, and so if we look at well, first of all, actually stepping back. A condo is an ecosystem that involves a number of key personas. So you have your board of directors, you have a property manager at the local level, you have a regional manager, um, you've got a mechanical contractor involved, you've got engineers who you look to for advice, you've got lawyers, and you've got all these different personas supporting one, one building. And right there, you've got just a number of voices sharing with you, here's what's good, here's what's bad, and that sometimes there can be even competing interests um, involved. Now, with that so said, it's a storm of sound. Yes, really. you just everybody throws their voice in, and and ultimately the decision maker is the board. Correct. And so, from I hear you correctly, they're throwing their shoulders up and going, "Who the hell do we listen to?" Ab- this absolutely. guy says one thing. This guy says, and then not only that, there's in your field competitors where one will say do this, and the other one will say do that. That's, yes. Yeah. And to make it even more complicated is that board of directors are volunteers and they usually have a full time job and they have you know busy life. And on top of it, they said, I want to be a good steward for my building. I want to represent the owners and I'm going to make sure that over the long term, we want to make sure our investments are safe. And so you've got a, a very well intentioned board. Um, they might not be but for the uh, most an expert part, in one area. Most part, they're not experts in that particular field, whatever they are. Every once in a while, you luck out and you get an engineer or a mechanical contractor that sits on the board of their condo. But for the most part, the over 10,000 condominiums it's in rare. Ontario, it's rare. Ab- absolutely. And so you get a number of voices. You have... Um, a varying level of experience or expertise in an area. And then third, with the number of people that need to decide to move a project or any idea forward, um, it can become very complicated. And a lot of times things don't actually end up getting done. So I'm going to throw it out there that your job as VP sales is to make the complicated simple. I wish I had uh, paid you to say that, but that was perfect. That teed me up. Um, Yes, our idea is make it as easy for all the parties involved. And it really comes down to, well, how does it benefit you? How how does saving energy for the board benefit the property manager? How does the same data we're collecting to drive energy savings help mechanical contractors service the building more effectively? And so it's can we join all the parties together at one mutual place, which is the board meeting, and have everybody agree that this is the direction we should go? Do you oh, find it? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Do you, do you find it challenging though when you're looking at a big project because the nature of your work, you know, I imagine the dollar figure, the ta- the dollar figure assigned to what work you do is high. It's not like a ten thousand dollar job. You're looking at a hundred thousand dollar plus for these kinds of machinery that we're talking about. Um, so do you find it very difficult to have board of directors willing to write that check, um, not, even though that they are saving money over the long term? Yeah, you, you might think so. And oh, sorry about that, guys. If you hear me slurping, I just wanted to <laughs> let you know, uh, the coffee this today 
at uh, here at the hashtag we speak condo headquarters is exceptional um traditionally that has been a challenge in the condo industry uh, but in, in regards to money it's it has been very challenging for boards to make the investments they need to make because again their only source of income is uh is their maintenance fees generally maybe you have some commercial space you can lease it out at the bottom of your building but by nature they're supposed to be non-profit all right uh, however, there are some that do bring in some ventures to create some type of, you've got uh, party room rental, you've got uh, guest suite uh, uh, rental, I, I, it's not the proper word, but that is the word. Uh, you have, in some condos, they have uh, ATMs, which generates mm -hmm. an income for them. They so. also have interesting things nowadays with Airbnb, where they have agreements with some condos with Airbnb where they can have certain units being listed as short-term rental, but the condo gets a portion yes. of the income. I, mean, I think Airbnb actually started that. Yeah. That was, a, uh, that was a, uh, um, an offering that they were letting. So those are rare ways that the condo can generate extra income from its maintenance fees. But yes, primarily the maintenance fees are the sole source of income yep. for the majority of condos out there. Yeah, and, and because of that... Um, every year, you go through budgeting. I mean, you've had a reserve fund study done. You know what you need to allocate into reserve for major uh, replacements or projects in the future. You've got an operating budget where half of that is your expected utilities. Uh, it depends on the condo, but up to half of your operating is going to be your electricity, gas, and water. The other half is on services that are essential to the building, property management, cleaning, security, etc., and, and frankly, there's not a lot of room to move in those areas that those don't really get much cheaper. Um, Costs of labor mainly, right? Right. Yeah. It's just well, particularly cleaning and, and security are are heavily weighted towards man hours and labor. That's that's their only major cost predominantly. So yeah. There, right. So it means cutting back. If if you wanted to save money out of that budget or have money to spend, um, you're going to need to cut back somewhere or you're going to need to wait and plan for the future and maybe raise more money and fees. Um, but the reality is most people could have heard a good idea even if they liked it and they said, fantastic, I love it. All right, we're going to have to do this two years from now um, or you know, in a new fiscal year uh, because we just don't have the money to allocate towards the project right now. And so knowing that, what we've done is we've created a model that... Um, we can actually guarantee an outcome conservatively. And what that means is through a, a, an assessment of the building, we can understand, well, how much can we actually reduce electricity consumption and how much can we reduce gas consumption? What dollar amount does that equal at your current rates that the building's paying? And all of a sudden we can say, okay, well, we could free up out of your biggest operating expense $60,000. And the board says, oh, well, that's fantastic. And then what we do is we actually take the cost of that project and we spread it out over five years so that from the very beginning of the project, your savings, which are your utility reductions, mm. plus your incentives that you actually receive from Electra or Toronto Hydro save and Enbridge yeah, through the Save on Energy program, um, those are always going to be greater than the costs of having to uh, you know, implement the project and, and pay for it. So instead of doing a $100,000 capital project on day one and paying you for the whole project, you're splitting this over several years and the savings are being used to pay for this project, plus something the condo spends, plus money they're getting back from the government for doing these green initiatives to reduce their energy load on the province. 
Mm-hmm. So is that how you manage these big expenses? You make them smaller and, and more more manageable for these these condos? Uh, absolutely, and it's really about. Uh, so one is making it manageable, but it's impacting the bottom line in the current year that the project starts. And so we can save you um, probably two to three times more than the cost on a monthly basis, meaning the difference between the utility savings and the cost to achieve those savings gives you, you know, maybe four or $5,000 in that month that can be reallocated somewhere else in your budget. And that's completely up for the board and the property manager to choose how so to do it. So you're saying that you get positive cash flow within the first year of Absolutely. using this? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what's important is because um, at the end of the day, money kind of talks and people are interested in oh. having the ability to use their, their budget more wisely. And so our model enables that board to say, hey, well, we just netted out an extra maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars and oh we did want to renovate the party room or we did have another project we wanted to do. Could we reallocate that? Could we now budget more accurately in the future years? Just technically you've allocated into the reserve fund. But here here's a question and I don't know if this throws a fly into the ointment, but that's my job. Um, are you in essence then financing the project over five years? Um, I guess you could classify it as that. So what we, we so personally here, here, as a company wouldn't be. So who is financing it? So we have, and our, our whole model is based on um, strategic partnerships. And so for the boards who would like to use this model, so some actually, by the way, some boards do purchase up front. And that's because the, uh, the Condo Act had changed uh, last summer that you can allocate portions of your reserve fund for energy efficiency projects. And if you're a financially healthy board and you've got more cash than you know what to do with, um, it's a better, it's a faster turn on investment and you can use your, your right. reserve in that manner. So that you, happens you all the time. You have a third party company that will finance this $100,000, $200,000 project. So my question to you then is where, because we're talking about Boards also being reticent to do this, for that to happen, they need to have a borrowing bylaw, mm-hmm. and then now they have to go to the community and say, uh, for those you don't know, that's a, so a bylaw has to be passed that gives the board of directors power to approach a type of inst- any type of institution to borrow money in the corporation's name. So, how 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 do you work? Do you work around that, or do you include that as part of your presentation? Um, we definitely include that as part of our presentation because every board is different. Every board has adopted certain bylaws, especially a borrowing bylaw. Um, and I, I guess the the real answer is it's always case by case. Every building we work with, we go through a process that helps the board evaluate, is this a good fit or not? Mm-hmm. And And part of that means we need to cover several different areas of consideration that you have to actually think about before you can sign a contract and move forward with any project. So you need to know from an engineering perspective, does this work? From a financial perspective and borrowing, does this work? Can we do this? Um, Is the board supportive of this type of initiative? We need to understand, will there be effects on comfort based on the proposed changes that we'd like to make? So in essence, do you put together a feasibility study? Yes. That's a good way to put it. I've never called it a feasibility study, um, but it's very much so. It's We take the customer through kind of a journey where we say, let's build the foundational blocks of determining if this will work for you. 
And, and that starts off with a site assessment to understand, well, what type of equipment do you have? In cost the for site assessment? Uh, free, cost? complimentary. Complimentary, free. So at, at That's this... a lovely shirt and a really nice jacket. You see, I'm a complimentary host. <laughs> it does, they do compliment each other, right? I, I wasn't sure about the gray and, and this like blue. I was though. just kidding about it. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> You're wearing, what are you wearing? I'm uh, Johnny Cash Black today. Yeah. I, I am. Uh, He's slick. I am. Check, check out the boots. Oh. Like this? Oh. That really yeah. completes the ensemble. Those are, those are, I don't know if that's alligator or crocodile. If you're from PETA, I apologize. They're fake crocodile or alligator. We'll <laughs> leave this to your imagination, listeners. So, I, 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 uh, we digress. Go ahead. So, you, so we have a feasibility study. You're taking them on a journey. Yes. Right? Everything's so, hunky-dory. They all have the proverbial skipping rope and box of cookies. And they're all walking down this path with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, to summarize, you're doing this feasibility study. You're, you're coming in. You're looking at all the equipment. You're saying you're consuming X energy. We can get you to consume Y. This is how we do it. This is how much it's going to cost. And then you give options. One, you could pay for this entire project now. And then you're going to get a return on your investment. Well, X in minus Y equals savings. Right. Yeah. And you'll get, you'll get your money back within however long. If you pay it all up front. The second option is we finance it through our strategic partnerships and you're going to get so uh, your money back like over a few pretty years. Pretty much like no-brainer. Yes? Yeah. So yeah, why wouldn't? Is, why are you here? Why aren't you busy running around doing these uh, journeys? Oh, we, we are, uh, first oh, of all. Good. So um, I'd say over the last nine months, especially, we've been through... 200 buildings in the GTA wow. um, and we are in that journey with all those buildings right now and so it's not always a an immediate overnight decision and I think decision making in boards as both of you know is 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 a process and every board is slightly different so as we're being maybe the Sherpa for these board members and saying hey we're going to guide you through what you need to know um, there's other considerations to make we need if there are absolutely major projects that are like mission critical to maintaining this building's value, that's got to be done. Sometimes I, I, I love all these illusions. Journey, Sherpa. <laughs> I, I've got the the Edmund Sir Edmund Hillary of energy in front of me here. It's pretty cool. I like it. We've discussed ad nauseum the big picture. Let's get to the nitty gritty because I'm sure there's some board members listening, maybe some managers listening. They go, okay, we've got all the ethereal talk about we can save you money, we can do this, we can do that, mm -hmm. and it's la-di-da, no-brainer, everything is wonderful. Now, let's put the pedal to the metal. What the hell do you really do? Where does that come from? We talk about these systems, the comfort systems. Well, let's get more detail on that. So now I put it to you. Give me an example of that system or, or the systems and... I don't know if it'd be giving away trade secrets where you create the savings, but with, without doing any detrimental damage to the uh, the forthcoming growth of your company. Please explain. So I can actually get pretty in depth here. It's great. I don't think I a lot of this what we're doing in a building has actually been refined over years in the commercial industry. Um, it's based on sound engineering practice. Uh, and so from the actual how do we save or control this equipment, that is uh, it's 
industry standard practice. Um, just to tee it up a little bit, why there's even a challenge here is important to understand. And if you look at any building that's been developed and wonder, you know, well, how did they design that building and why did they design the building in the way it is? Uh, they have to engineer your mechanical system to deliver the maximum amount of comfort in the worst case scenario. So we'd call those degree days. So in the summertime, can our chiller or cooling system deliver enough air conditioning for all the suites in the residence to hit their you know, level of comfort? And in the, in the winter, minus 25, the worst days that's coldest, can our boilers actually help achieve the level of heating needed to be comfortable in the building? So right off the bat, that building is designed to produce heating and cooling in the worst possible cases, which is great because we need that sometimes. But when you look at what actually happens over the course of 365 days, those extremes aren't very frequent, but you've got equipment designed to produce that level of comfort, meaning it's gonna use more electricity than it needs to, because you're oversupplying heating or cooling, or, you, or you're burning more gas than you need it's to. It's about efficiencies. Right, and so the, but the first understanding is that there's a lot of extra being used that's maybe not necessary. Now the next challenge is, well, construction companies don't necessarily have an incentive to equip the buildings with what's needed to vary that speed of this equipment or so you're, you're, make this dynamic. So you're talking about developers, builders. Yes. Not specifically the construction company. I just want, we, we get guys in hard hats come over and say, hey, you said that, that's wrong, that, you know, so. Okay, let's clarify this so that uh, no one shows up at your doors at this office, oh, but. And I apologize, guys or girls in hard hats. <laughs> yes. Um, so it just, but there's not a lot of incentive and it com makes complete sense. When you're developing or designing a building, you want to be the most effective. You're not gonna maintain this asset over its next, or over, over its lifetime. You know that it will be passed off to a board who accepts this building and then is in charge of managing it. Um, and it's really up to the board at that point to say, well, what can we do to reduce this energy consumption? Um, technology's come a long way as well and so, Let's maybe even 10 years ago, it was, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords that get thrown out there, you know, the internet of things or big data. And what does that really mean? How do we apply it? Um, but that became popular because we just didn't have information at our fingertips. We didn't have information flowing to us over the internet that I can pick up and look at on my phone. Uh, we didn't know how to use that information. And where we are today is we can collect information about the building usually you know, temperature and comfort related actual uh, measures that are numbers. So we can measure comfort in terms of numbers and we can use that data to now control this equipment, which is oversized and reduce it at key times to where we don't have lots of demand. And the difference between those low periods of demand and the maximum demand, that's where we find savings because that equipment uses now less electricity and it uses less gas. The other key component is that it's dynamic. And so that as you demand more um, fresh air, for example, uh, well, we don't want to, people to have you know, poor quality air, naturally, right? So you're saving money when you have very low CO2 counts in hallways, but 
as soon as, you know, time of day, maybe it's dinner time, there's lots of CO2 in the air, we know that we need to ramp up that Makeup Bears fan, we're going to choose to use more energy at that time. And it's the balance, though, of dynamically changing this equipment to meet what the residents need to be comfortable. And the difference between the high and the low point is really where you're going to find those savings because you're going to use less of, of the energy units, electricity or gas, from your utility provider. My familiarity with this comes from booster pumps and all the companies that are out there that are really basically doing your efficiency tests because your booster pumps are on 24-7. Mm -hmm. You need your PRV valves to regulate, and but demand varies. And a booster pump, just for those of you who don't know, is a pump in your building that keeps the water pressure going from the entire building that keeps it relatively steady. So you don't have lags within certain areas of the building because of how the water is going up and down through the pipes. Right. It maintains a constant pressure for demand in the building. Right. However, demand changes. And, right. So when three o'clock in the morning, nobody's taking showers, doing laundry, washing dishes, those pumps are still running like wild. And then they're being tempered by the, the pressure reducing valves. But there's no demand as opposed to uh, 6.30 or 7 o'clock when everybody's giving the kids baths, the dishwasher is running, somebody threw a load of laundry in. And, that, and so now those pumps are still going at the limit that they're, they're, they're needing. So what these companies do, and I'm assuming something similar to what you propose, is to install what's called a, vari a variable speed drive or a variable drive. So the pumps are now more uh, um, electronic, and they are set up in such a way as to change the pressure with the request for demand, all right? But you're looking at doing that with all kinds of other systems as well? Yes, and by the way, water is the, the perfect example. Um, it really does change based on demand, and I think that if, if you don't have a variable frequency drive or speed drive, uh, depending on what you want to call it, or a package system. There are some great incentives out there to help you in that area. Um, you should look into it. But what Parity is doing is we would include that in our, our scope or what we look at. All of this mechanical system needs to work in concert together. Right. And they actually influence each other on how their efficiency runs. Um, the, how we would actually be different though than uh, a variable speed drive. More frequency. I, I, frequency. I, I, yeah, yeah, it's either v or. Choose your own Folks adventure. Folks out there, most of the time, they'd be referred to as VFDs, variable frequency drive, because you're, you're changing the frequency of the actual motor itself. But otherwise, and that's frequency changing. Frequency is also speed. So yes. It's all, well, it's the same to me. So, but, uh, <laughs> well, just, just to split hairs, we'll call them variable drives. All right, variable drives. Um, so one of the challenges with a variable drive, which is a control, this actually allows you to change the speed of a motor. And if you're running the motor slower, you use less electricity, uh, very common sense. Um, a challenge is you have to program them. And so you get them installed, you program them, and you put them on a schedule. Mm -hmm. A variable drive does not itself dynamically change based on changes in pressure. And so, so it's not really a smart drive is what you're saying. Right. It's, it's, I've said, okay, from 7 a.m. until 10 a.m., just because I'm going to cast a wide net here, I'm going to run this booster pump at near full capacity because that's mostly when water is consumed. Right. And then in the rest of the day, I'm going to schedule it to automate down to maybe uh, 48 hertz, maybe lower. It depends on the building. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm just going to choose that a safe guess and a wide net would help us find some savings because I think we can probably get away with this. It's like how I set my thermostat at home. I program it for when nobody's home, the house is cooler, and when people come home at night in, in the wintertime, we ramp up the, the heat so people have a greater level of comfort. And you do that automatically. That's part of your system. Yes. Yeah, so, so what we're doing is, one, is d dynamically moving the speed of that booster pump to reflect how much pressure is needed throughout the entire building. So, so how, how, there, there's the question. How do you know? Uh, well, I think also that's the magic trick, I guess. Yeah, and I think also what's the difference between just having your standard HVAC contractor come in and put in a new VFD versus what you guys are doing? Right. So it comes down to, I guess, um, functionality and monitoring. And so what Parity is at core is software company, and right. so you can essentially um, I guess maybe let me rephrase this. One way to manage a variable drive is to have your mechanical contractor or a, you know, a human being yeah. go there and physically change the speed and use the interface on that drive to change the Hertz or reprogram it or set a schedule. Just so you know, Hertz is the frequency with a, a motor runs at and uh, 60 Hertz, 48 Hertz, 30 Hertz is also a reference to the speed. Yes. And to make it easier too, 60 hertz is on 100%. Right. Maybe even confusing it because you'd think maybe they would measure it out of a different number. But 60 hertz is 100% or full speed. Uh, 54 hertz is actually 90% and so, so forth. Um, so if you want to change the speed from 100 to 90%, you would go and physically change that. Yeah, you'd um, turn a switch or press a button. And someone who was... Um, skilled or educated in the area would say, well, before I'm going to change the speed of this motor, there's a couple things I need to check. And that would be you know, kind of engineering work. They'd say, well, we need to maintain this level of pressure. There'd be somewhat of a study or you know, essentially math done to determine what speed is appropriate and won't sacrifice comfort. And that's kind of a manual process. Um, and and for the most part, it's, it's being casting a wide net that's safe. What we're going to do is track data in near real time on pressure, and we automate all those calculations. So that would require the installation of quite a few sensors, I would assume. Yeah, like how do you, I guess it depends you, on what quite a few is. Yeah, well, how, how do you monitor a building? The demand for water is increasing. Is there like a lag? So we can see that, you know, more people are turning their taps on Oh, we better ramp up the 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 pumps. Mm -hmm. So, how? So I, I'm like, on on every building, as as part of that that journey, or you know, that I'm guiding you through, our team is guiding you through. Is the first step is knowing what equipment and controls you already have. Um, the second would be assessing well what specific pieces of equipment would be necessary um, to achieve that result, or have that real time data that can be used to make the decisions and the third is well what controls are in place or need to be in place to then use the data and then control that motor or boiler and so we assess that on a case-by-case -case basis and so it's really important it's kind of like netflix you could have a, a subscription to netflix i think it's like 8.99 a month that's for the single 
Eleven ninety nine for the multiple. Oh, that must have gone up. I think I've got a legacy price. Not that I have any time wa- to watch Netflix. <laughs> um, but it, you, if you have a subscription, you still need a device to watch it on. Um, I know it's a very simple example, but you need to either buy a TV, you need to have an internet connection, you need to either have a tablet, whatever it is. And so in this case, the building needs to have certain hardware installed. It needs to also have a modem that we put up in the upper mechanical room to send data to our cloud-based software. And and those are some of the prerequisites. And so we're actually extracting uh, the key data points that our algorithms need from all over the building in common areas. And we're processing that in our software and sending the information back to the building where it's actually controlled in near real time. And so this calculation happens in sometimes as a matter of seconds and for some processes, you know, every 15 minutes. It really depends on, on what we're affecting. Water, domestic water, can actually change every couple of seconds based on how the equipment has been commissioned um, at the building and the local level. Hmm. So you heard it said algorithms, right? That's cool. Like Facebook, they got in trouble with that, didn't they? <laughs> I just want to make sure you're not going to divulge all the secret water information to everybody about how much water I use. I like that analogy, though. You're the Netflix of air conditioning and heating. There you go. Um, so that so yeah. we've, we've talked about water, all right? Where else do we go from here on our, our journey? So let's look at, um, you got heating, cooling, fresh air, and the key systems Well, heating here. is predominantly water as well, yes? Yeah, boilers are heating yeah. up water. And then with the difference, though, that we've got a different set of pumps that are pushing this heating through the building. So... Uh, Nicholas and I were talking about this a bit earlier. If you imagine your building as a rectangle where there's a, a loop in the building, um, the boilers are heating up water, and then there's usually two pumps, uh, again, depends on the building, called hydronic pumps, though. And those are actually taking hot water, and they're circulating it through a loop. Now, at each suite, um, whether you're a heat pump building or you are um, a fan coil building, let's, let's take fan coils, for example. There's a valve and the valve opens up when the temperature in that suite is not reaching the thermostat temperature. Mm-hmm. And it allows hot water to flow through there where the fan blows over that coil and heat comes into the suite. Right. Now when the, um, the suite is at the right temperature, that valve shuts, that loop keeps going, and it ultimately returns back to the boilers where it was previously heated up. Because it's lost some heat. Yes. It's lost heat as it's gone through. The water has gone from being nice hot water to heat up my uh, my family room, the sunroom in my condo. Now it's it goes through. It's mm-hmm. given up that heat to me so I can enjoy my level of comfort. And it goes back on its journey all the way around back to the boiler. Right. So if, if I was to tell you that 60 degrees Celsius was a supply temperature and it came back at 45 degrees, what would that mean? You lost 15 degrees of heat. Yeah, lots of people are drawing heat out. But if it comes back at 59... It's a pretty warm day. Yeah, not a lot of heat is really needed at that suite level. So off the bat, and that's really standard practice everywhere, is that what's the difference in that supply and return? That's nothing proprietary. I hope my uh, bosses don't fire me for divulging that. But Mm. there's many other variables at stake. Weather is a huge... Um, influencer of temperature that, that we need to supply at. Um, the speed at which the hydronic pumps are pushing fluid through the building, it matters as well. Um, pressure matters. And so there's a number of these variables that are all taken into consideration 
to determine how to run the boilers and in what sequence, at what speed to run the hydronic pumps, and maybe we have a system with a lead and a lag pump. Uh, we need to know about outside air temperature. We also need to know about the temperatures coming through from the makeup air in the hallways being sent in the suites, and all in all, it needs to be balanced together so that we're not counterproductive. Uh, that nets out into, into savings because we're able to deliver exactly the amount of heat that needs to be absorbed into the suites um, at any given time. And what's really interesting, because people ask this all the time, if we install this or we have parity as a solution, does that mean I'm not going to be able to reach the temperature I want? And, and the answer is we have no effect on that. You, have, you control the thermostat and simply the thermostat's going to open your valve. It's just sending you guys a different set of data. Right. Really, that's all they do. Yeah, so if everybody likes 28 degrees. You're an observer. Go for it. You're an observer. Your company, your software, your algorithms are observers, and they will let the, the system know the demand is greater or less and make allowances between all components of it. Yes? Correct. It's, it's kind of like having a, an engineer looking over your building, like guardian engineer, determining how to run these systems. And this work that would be done in 15 years ago, and you might say, hey, we want an engineering group to come in, and they, we want them to look at how our boilers are running. Or big trend, we want a group to come in and look at our how our chiller is running. Uh, maybe we need to recommission that chiller and, and the condenser pump and all the pumps associated with it. And those are typically individual projects that take a long period of time. Mm. And they come back to you and they say, here's our 10 recommendations on how this piece of equipment could be run. Here's the cost of making each of these changes. Do you want to continue? We're, in a sense, automating a lot of the studying aspect of this. And within you know, reason, uh, controlling equipment based on the manufacturer's specs of that equipment. And so if you found issues with the equipment where they might need to be fixed or replaced, you'd, you'd advise the board about that? Management, yeah, probably. Yeah, and so something that's outside of energy. So energy is like the most tangible benefit because it hits your bottom line. All right, so are you familiar with Passive House? No. Okay. So Passive House is a, a new certification that's coming. And you've heard of LEED? Yes. Right? We've talked about that on other episodes. Uh, so Passive House is really new, but it's all about energy savings, and it sets criteria and, uh, and standards ultimately for new construction or retrofit mm. in terms of having a building be considered or certified Passive House. So I can see how this meshes with that uh, as well. Um, the other question I had that I was talking about and thinking about while you were speaking is saving energy in the suites and the heat levels and the comfort. How does this work with buildings that are sub-metered? Sub-metered for electricity, sub-metered for uh, water, and sub-metered for hot water. How does that, cons how does that work into your system? Um, so we work with buildings that are both sub-metered and non-sub-metered. Uh, we focus on the common element spend uh, first and foremost. So what we're looking to do is reduce the corporation's spend on those utilities. Now, the submetered spend, uh, if you're in a newer building and you have water submetering, that's great. Uh, that 
that's awesome because water is so so expensive and we don't really have a good way to reduce water consumption outside of behave, changing behavior. Um, but on the electricity side, what we're able to do is those mechanical rooms are common and owned by the corporation and that's going to be felt directly on their budget. If you like to keep your lights on in your suite and it's submetered, well, that tenant or resident is just going to be paying for that. So it doesn't really affect things. Um, except for when it comes to smart thermostats, which is something we haven't talked about yet. Um, we're the first vendor out there and software company that's put in both um, Ecobee, which Ecobee, is... Ecobee, Nest, uh, yeah. And, and Nest. So we yeah. worked with both Nest and Ecobee. And in some of our earliest projects that are, um, I guess, were implemented two and a half years ago, um, they've gone on to use the same model, no cost up front. We put in smart thermostats in every single suite in the building, um, we then, you know, got with the permission of the building, use that data to further regulate the mechanical systems and drive more savings. And we guarantee that savings but number. But not the suites themselves. Right. So the corporation gets more savings from its mechanical equipment because we gave every resident a free smart thermostat. And we've done several projects already throughout the GTA. Um, it's a... The building in, that I'm thinking of in particular, um, our first project, uh, and, and it's always relative to the size of the building, but we saved them $40,000, and then we put in smart thermostats and saved them another $30,000. Um, mm -hmm. So in total, from their baseline before they did any work with us, it's a $70,000 difference. So the smart thermostats provide you with additional data of the usage in the units, but the, are these submetered units? So in this case... They are they are submetered, but if they were not submetered, then the corporation has more to benefit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Either way, they save on on money. They save money either way. But, yeah. But your your Overwatch of the Ecobier Nest smart thermostats in no way allows you to adjust the climate, the temperature, or settings in the units themselves. Exactly. So right. they still have full control. Um, it becomes a, a behavioral. Uh, challenge where we say, hey, let's teach you to program the thermostat in the way you like. Right. Um, by default, uh, Google, which is Nest, and uh, Ecobee have modes that are like eco mode, and they have a sensor. And if you're not there, it does dial it back. It starts to learn your pattern. So this is nothing to do with parity. This is just the hardware mm -hmm. at this point. It starts to learn what are the patterns, what Using do you like. algorithms. Yes, algorithms. And and what we find is that we don't need everyone to adopt that programming. And some people say, hey, no, I don't like that feature. I'm just going to want to control it myself. But enough people in buildings are saying, yes, that sounds like a great idea. I'm gone from 9 to 5. I don't need my suite to be at 23 degrees, even though that's my desired temperature. But two hours before I come home, my fan coil valve is going to open up and my suite's going to start heating up. And that also just helps save energy off the fan coil and off the boilers. So some condominium corporations do own the fan coil or the heat pump units inside of the suites. Sometimes they're owned by the unit owner. It depends on what the declaration says about who has the maintenance and repair obligations for that. But I suppose what you're saying is that in any condominium corporation that has multiple units with HVAC, fan coil, heat pumps, you can come in potentially save a lot of money on the consumption of these these energy um, these energy offerings, all these utilities. So really, really is a smart way to reduce the costs overall for a building. 
Yeah. Have you ever gotten a building to a level that they might be considered a lead building? Um, we have not, but we haven't put much effort at all into that's mostly new construction certification. Yeah, lead, uh, and I've had the pleasure of managing some lead, lead gold buildings. Uh, at the time I was managing, there was only six in the, uh, in the province, and I was managing one of them. Um, uh, leadership in energy and environmental design. So lead is not just the energy, but it's mm -hmm. uh, using the, uh, the specific uh, environmentally friendly materials and uh, no VOC, uh, low VOC mm -hmm. kind of substances as well. So it's and it's also about pol uh, about procedures mm -hmm. and how you how you're cleaning, your handle your waste. So it's not just the energy. However, passive house is just the mm -hmm. energy. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. it's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. We we if, actually had yeah. If you listen to one of our uh, one of our back episodes with, uh, we have a couple of engineers from uh, Pritium. Pritium, right? Uh, Jennifer and Anthony, they talk about it. Uh, Extensively, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very yeah. interesting it, stuff. It is good, like industry-wide or, or through associations, various standards uh, being set, it's only going to benefit condo boards. Right. I think that if there can be a framework there, that the board can understand that property management companies can easily adopt. They don't have to reinvent the wheel per se. And so that, that does help. So um, it's good as this is all rolling out all across North America and each region is really kind of having their own standards or mm. uh, programs put in place. And obviously utility companies are really pushing this type of agenda uh, as well. And it's a really an investment in the community because if you're investing your money in GICs, I, I use this analogy in, in one of our previous episodes, but if Condo Corp invests in a GIC, they're restricted to a very, very low interest rate. You're lucky to get 2%. And you can only invest 100K at a time if you want to have that secured. So if you do that, you're making 2% on two, three years. However, if you put that 100K into a project that can save the building energy in excess of that, uh, perhaps maybe it's more over the long term, you're making a big investment for the community over the long, over the long term. You can save even more money than you might make on an investment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another a, way to look at it. It's if your costs for achieving the savings are... Um, let's say $60,000 in year one because you chose to finance this project, but you're recouping in that year one $100,000 and you've now netted out $40,000 extra. I mean, where else are you going to get that type of return? The problem is you're dealing with people in general that even though that makes perfectly good sense, these are the same people who will fight for their investments or bank accounts to save a quarter of a percent mm -hmm. here or a quarter percent here, but they go like crazy to the ATM and the cost for taking money works out to 13% or 14% of what they're mm -hmm. removing from the ATM. So why do you think that is? I think it's a lack of education. I think yeah. it's a lack of understanding of what the benefits are. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, they don't really know the numbers. I don't think anybody realizes if you go to an ATM and whether it's your own or your other or another branch, you take out twenty dollars, forty dollars, and there's a two dollar and fifty cent charge plus the charge that the uh, your own bank does, whatever it is, four dollars mm -hmm. on a twenty dollar withdrawal. Wow, you know what that rate is. So yeah, it, but they argue for a quarter percent on an account. Yeah, 
So, John, how did you get into this business? Because I don't think you you started in HVAC and software development, did you? you no, you were a male model first, weren't you? <laughs> uh, hardly. A plus-sized, uh, handsome boys model. Oh, there we go. Keto diet again. We're going back <laughs> to the keto, keto diet. No, uh, not at all. I was, I've been in software for quite some time. Um, I had the pleasure of working with um, probably the fastest growing software company out of San Francisco. And I grew with them until they were a Fortune 500 company. Um, I, you want to drop a name? You can... Sure. Salesforce. Uh, I kind of heard them. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of Salesforce. Have you heard of them? Yeah. They're a company. Yeah. They do some things uh, that are around. sometimes cool. Uh it was a great experience. You all I, guys run around like with with uh, um, uh, Luke Skywalker costume was made the Salesforce be with you. I know you must. Have there done. was a lot of uh, Star Wars jokes that would get made, but I never personally ran around with one of those signs. That's because you're a Trekkie. We, we know. We know. <laughs> I am. We know that. Um, but it, it was good exposure. First of all, like in that at that role, I sold to. Uh, manufacturing companies, high-tech companies all over the U.S., Canada. And what I really started to learn and, and enjoy was, well, every business, no matter what industry you're in, you have certain challenges and there's a way that technology is going to help uh, help you become more efficient, help you grow your company, uh, etc. And it always came down to that. It's, well, how is this going to benefit me? And taking that over the many years at that company, I realized, well, this is something that I want to do on, on a different scale, not as part of a, a giant corporation where I'm a widget and machine. And I said, well, what are the big challenges that I can be involved in solving? And um, the co-founders of Parity uh, were somewhat visionary in saying like their challenge was that buildings represent more CO2 emissions than automobiles. And I was like, whoa, first of all, I didn't really understand the impact that buildings and the built environment had on global warming. And I was like, so well, this that... is really an environmental crusade to some. It yeah. started with an environmental crusade. The, the core of this is yeah. that if we can reduce the energy consumption of buildings. Carbon footprints. Yeah, our footprint gets lower. We can uh, do right by the world. We can make the world a better place. I know that sounds kind of hippie, but we all truly believe that it's very much in our control and that we can do a lot of good here. And I saw that challenge and I said, okay, let's, let's break this down. Like, why is that the challenge? Why are condominiums specifically using this much energy? Why hasn't anyone done anything about it? And if they have, why have those other solutions failed? And the more and more I, I unwrapped uh, the industry and I started researching, I realized that this business itself was solving a major challenge in a way that was taking the best of all the other solutions out there wrapped into one nice, neat package. Which is nice to say because I initially thought when we were talking that you were just discussing a standard BAS system, building automation system. But right. from or discussing VFD, with you... Yeah, the VFDs, the whole nine yards. Yeah. It's like that on steroids. But it's a bigger picture, I see what it is. What I see here, I think your challenge predominantly is of communication. All the parts fit together like a puzzle, but nobody realizes they can't see the whole picture after all the puzzle pieces are together, mm -hmm. or they haven't been shown it because you've got heating guys over here, you've got uh, automation over here, but nobody's taken all these individual puzzle pieces and made a nice big picture say, we are the world, we can save the world and save you money at the same time. So mm -hmm. in essence, that challenge comes from you communicating this 
or your company um, and providing information to, to boards, to directors, and ultimately we always know that knowledge is power. In this case, knowledge saves power. Wow. I'm, I'm actually really impressed with how you wrapped it into that. That was oh, good. Okay, great. Thanks. Did you write that down before you said it? That sure, yeah. yeah I, uh, no, I didn't. But you're right. It's, uh, this, this it's is the keto diet. <laughs> the ketones are just... Yeah. yeah, those ketones are really working. Um, this is for a bigger picture. And, and my philosophical belief is always that if you're going to drive change in the world, um, the best way to do that is actually through business. You can provide value to someone that purchases something that does result in an impact because it's benefiting them. And lots of people are going to jump on board. Um, one thing we haven't really dug into is that savings, when we talk about who benefits from energy savings directly, I'd say that's the board. The board the gets The corporation. That. The corporation, and, right. And with all these different parties involved, and the biggest challenge is getting everyone on the same page. And so the question is, well, what's in it for you? And we've identified that uh, major parties that we need to provide value to, and we, we are, are the property managers at the local or site level, property managers at the head office level, um, and really mechanical contractors that are servicing these buildings uh, and have contracts with these buildings. And so beyond the energy savings, we're taking an immense amount of data in real time about these buildings that is now being visualized for a property manager. So if it comes to any sort of administrative task, like your board might ask you, can you give us a report on how our energy spend or utility spend is doing? Or why why was our utility bill during the month of January, especially gas, why was it so much higher? We budgeted for you know Y dollars and it ended up at Z. What why? So we've simplified the way to report on that and understand why the energy was spent the way it was. And usually it comes down to correlations with weather. Um, but these are all things that on top of all the other tasks... Do you factor you in do, uh, changing costs for the, for the actual utility uh, in your reports? For example, um, you know, the, the price of water goes up. Consumption is the same, but we spent more because the price went up. Yes. So we track every unit of energy, and then as things change, um, you, it can reflect that. So typically, it's we're using what your current rates are today. Um, but if you know about a price increase or something changing, then we reflect that in, uh, in the reports. And then this becomes all live uh, through your phone. On any, As long as you have the internet, you can log in. You can see how your energy, gas or electricity is doing. You can see overall water uh, numbers. And it makes it easy to report on, so we reduce administrative tasks. Uh, the other aspect of... What helps a property manager specifically is that because our software is now monitoring the building, we have alerts set up for machine failure. So at the very first sign of something breaking down, we get an alert. Now, depending on what it is, we can uh, classify severity of alert. And this is something that is started off in the building automation side, but it's executed really poorly. Yes. And so um, what we've simplified, though, is, well, what are the immediate things that need attention now. Can this just be triaged and can a truck be sent on the road from your mechanical contractor? Because we are not mechanical contractors. But can we supply that information to them so they can do their job and service you better? And ultimately, if we get ahead of issues, let's say it's boilers or a chiller, there is a lag between when the equipment fails and when the residents actually notice. And if we can shorten that gap, we're going to reduce the amount of complaints 
that your property manager is going to receive, um, not in all cases, but we get a head start. And so the idea is, can we, one, from an administrative perspective, reduce the work off the property manager's back or off their table? Mm -hmm. um, can we be that expert they can call on? Uh, two, can we actually help them avoid uh, circumstances where, oh man, domestic water shuts off and your phone is gonna blow up, right? Or email, it's gonna fill up. And so if we had an alert right away and your mechanical contractor knows that's a high, high priority thing, because it's gotta be fixed now, given yesterday. Our, our communication technology, you can advise the community that yeah. this has happened and everything brings down the, temp the temperature of the, of the residents. Per se. So Ab they, absolutely. They don't get so hot and bothered there. Yeah. Um, and, and for the actual company that's working uh, with all the individual property managers, how do we support them on a, on a portfolio basis? So you need information about your buildings. You want to understand how your customers are doing. You want to serve your boards. That helps better. for budgeting time as yeah, well. Yeah. Budgeting, else. advising. And you're really a, a strategic advisor for your boards. And the more you understand about their building and can easily use this data to say, hey, based on what you spent last year and how you consumed and how the weather was, uh, here's how, what you gotta do. Now the third part, and I'll, I'll be briefer on this, this aspect, but the mechanical contractor, they're, they're our best friends in the building. Sure. Um, they are the ones that get in there, they get a wrench. Boots on the ground. Yeah, boots on the ground. Um, we actually have full diagnostic tools for every piece of equipment. So this data flowing through, we now visualize it for the, the technicians as well as the head office so that they can understand how their customers are doing. They can diagnose the problem faster. They can prescribe the solution so we can identify what's actually wrong with this piece of equipment. So Therefore, that would they reduce can repair costs because if, it, if it's yeah. TNM, time and, time and materials, You've helped reduce the time and materials to figure out what's wrong. Absolutely. And they love it because they get remote access. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need to dispatch sure. a truck. The one thing we didn't touch on, and don't want to think we missed out on it, we talked about water, we talked about electricity, we didn't talk about gas. Mm. But gas predominantly is for those running those boilers that heats the water, that goes through the loop, That right? Yes, and then the makeup air unit. Uh, so yes. either directly gas-fired or boilers are also used to heat up um, water that's essentially at glycol added to it. It's running through the makeup air. Either way, your, your air is getting heated up as it's coming into the building, right. whether it's directly through gas or indirectly through, through a boiler. Now, is there a separate system or does it mesh in with yours if there's a shared facility and they have a whirlpool and they have a swimming pool and there's heaters involved there? There's uh, there all those systems where the, where the water circulation pump is running all the time for the filtration system of this very large swimming pool. Um, all these things. How does that mesh into it? It's mm, a good question. Um, so we've actually recently decided to focus not on pool systems. One is because they're not at every building and we're trying to standardize the way that we serve our customers. And we would look at them as a little bit of an outlier. However, if there is a case and there's large enough pumps that are running or boil, separate boilers, um, we would on a case-by-case -case basis include them into a scope. It's really the economics of it though. If it costs Y to, deliver, to set up the solution and it's only gonna give us these savings, we might decide not to, to include it. Okay. Or you might decide it, it's a no-brainer. Let's, let's include this. Do you have any questions? No, I was just gonna say, I absolutely love this, this product and what you guys are 
able to achieve by all of these these systems and this monitoring that you're doing, I mean, it just seems like such a, a, a revolutionary introduction to this industry and trying to make things more efficient. So I'm really excited to see what you guys yeah. uh, are doing. And, uh, you know, one day, well, maybe you'll be as, as big as Salesforce and you'll be in, uh, in Europe <laughs> well, and I, I envision your company kind of as... NASA's mission control center for buildings because they keep track of all the systems and the environments of all the rocks and the shuttles and everything else and their first hand they know if something's going wrong we can tell somebody we can get on it right away and I probably I'm, you know I'm envisioning your your office has like you know 25 guys <laughs> with pocket protectors sitting looking at screens going okay look at this this condo here they've got a problem here quick dispatch this so I, 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 I'm excited because I'm a it's space not, nerd Ari, it's not the case they've got a lot of interns yes yes there's and, there's and a lot of coffee being delivered uh, now a couple of people with pocket protectors uh, yeah it's an exciting place come down to our office sometime. so so we we've uh, we've Got to share this time with John England, uh, Vice President Sales for uh, Parity Go, as we said. Um, uh, I, I want to, on behalf of, uh, of Nicholas and myself and our listeners, thank you for sharing your vision, your information. Uh, your contact information here is uh, john at paritygo.com. Your website is paritygo.com. Uh, I can say from us here at uh, hashtag we speak condo, it's been a real party and it's time to go. If you find this or any episode of We Speak Condo interesting or informative, please subscribe to the podcast by visiting our website www.citysitesmanagement.com. If you want to have your questions answered, email us. We'll be responding to your love letters or hate mail every week. Thanks for listening.